to this community. And so I thank you. I thank you for being a part of it. Now, as you know, we started this four-week series, and I'm going to move around, and hopefully I don't get tripped up with all of this wiring. Um, but we've been doing this, this uh, uh, four-week series on the first book of Peter, and it was called To Be Different. And if you remember last week, if you weren't here and you didn't get to hear it, um, it's available for free on podcast and Google Play. Just do a search for the Peak Community Church, and every message that, that we've given is there available to you. Um, but we were talking about how Christians, these Christ followers, they weren't even called Christians yet. They were just these, these people that were following a way. That it was a certain way of life. They were different. And, and they were following this Christ. And, and so we had this Nero, this guy, this emperor, who was this terrible, twisted guy that was bringing forth these trials and persecutions and, and killing off these Christians. He, he burned down the entire city of Rome and to take the heat off of himself, he, he began to blame this little group of people that, that had this passion and, and were forming community amongst themselves. And so because they were hated by everybody else that was around them, he thought, hey, why not just blame them for all these fires? And so he began to bring forth these persecution upon them. Horrible trials. I mean, children being burnt at the stake if you don't renounce the name of Jesus. And his message that he drove home is the fact that this world is not your home. We're here just for a temporary moment, for a blink of an eye. The average lifespan, 75 years maybe. Good if that. We're here, but just for a moment. What are we doing? This isn't our home. Why are we holding on to the things of this life with white knuckle fists, thinking that it's so important? Tell your neighbor, I'm living to leave. I'm living to leave. Come on, you can't avoid the inevitable. We're all going to die. Are we living towards that? Do we have a vision of our future beyond the grave? Because I'm going to introduce you to one who defeated the riddle of the grave. Jesus. Jesus Christ brought forth eternal life. And because this world is not your home, you are called to be different. Verse 7 of 1 Peter stated that even if it's for a little while, the trials and the persecutions, the pressures of this life, of this world, is proving the genuineness of your faith. And we're going to pick it up in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 13 and 17 as a continuation of last week. Amen? And because of everything that I had just discussed, he said, therefore... With minds that are alert. What, what, what does it mean to have a mind that is alert? Huh? That's vigilant. That's watchful. That's attentive. You're purposefully focused, paying attention, wide awake and living circumvently. That our minds are alert and sharp. And he says, fully sober. Fully sober. To be sober-minded is someone who is serious and sensible. 
someone who is rational, that makes sense, a person who is studious and logical. We must be logical and rational in life. I can't tell you some of the people that I come across and I'm like, how can you even think that way? That doesn't even make any sense. We must be sober-minded. Amen? And therefore, with minds that are alert and so fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at His coming. As obedient children. Can, can, can I hear an obedient? Obedient, obedient children. I know that um, I have children. And, and, and when they're doing what they're supposed to do at home, when their grades are good and their homework is on, their chores is done, what luxury, what privilege in my house are they not entitled to? Everything. They don't got to ask me to go to the fridge. They don't have to ask. If you're doing what's expected of you, you're entitled to every privilege and luxury that we can afford within our house. But the moment that disobedience come into play, the moment that your chores aren't getting done, your grades start going down, you start being disrespectful, that mouth starts getting really sharp. Now all of a sudden, you're not a child of obedience, you're a child of disobedience. And when you're a child of disobedience, what, you want that new video game? Uh-uh. What, you want to go to your friend's birthday party? Uh-uh. All of a sudden, luxuries and privileges start being revoked. You can't have that. You can't do that. Why? Because you're walking in disobedience. You haven't earned it. Why is it that we think that our life in the kingdom, underneath the kingdom of God, is any different? You want the privileges? You want the promises that are written within his word? Ask yourself, God, am I walking in obedience or am I in disobedience? When we're obedient unto his word and unto his will and his purpose, there are promises that are yea and amen to each one of his children. But if we're walking in disobedience, and then all of a sudden we get mad we get mad at dad. We get mad at him. But dad, why? What do you mean why? I'm, I'm, I'm helping, I'm protecting you. I'm disciplining you because I love you. I'm teaching you and guiding you so that you understand you're not entitled to things. They're privileges. And privileges are earned. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. Oh, I could tell you about living in ignorance. I could tell you about having privileges and luxuries revoked. Conforming to the patterns of this world. That's following what everybody else is doing. Now, that's living in ignorance. He says, but just as he called you, is holy. How many people know we serve a holy God? He's a holy God. And if we're children, we're supposed to reflect our the image and the likeness of our Father. So if He is holy, He says, so be holy in all that you do. 
I don't want to go from preaching to meddling, but let me ask a question that you should be asking yourself. Is everything that I do holy before the Lord? You don't have to answer that. But you sure have to ask yourself that. For it is written, be holy as I am holy. Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. Foreigners, aliens, temporary residents, sojourners, family, we're but pilgrims passing through a strange land. Why is it that all of a sudden we think that, well, because we were in Rome, we're going to do as the Romans do? No. He's saying, you're my children. You come from my kingdom. You represent me. And I expect you to be holy as I am holy. It's okay to be different. For many of us, some of the greatest obstacles to following Christ is our desire to fit in. Huh? You go to school, and in school, you've got all these little cliques from the jocks to, 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 the, to the students and, and, and you know, the, the, the bookworms and the geeks to the, you know, to the potheads and the druggies. And you've got all of these different little cliques that group in. And, and you try to find yourself, and you try to find where you fit in. And, and, and so where, wherever you think it's going to be the coolest, wherever you think it's going to be the best or the most comfortable, you get drawn onto that. How many people know that a bird of a feather? Oh, come on. Now you're preaching. Huh? <laughs> Birds of a feather flock together. And so you try to find the feather that kind of fits your, your, your standard and, and you want to fit in. But I'm here to tell you that God didn't create you to fit in. He created you to stand out. Hallelujah. God never says to you to blend in with the world, to become one with the world, but he has called you to be set apart, to be sanctified. He calls you to be different. And who wants to be, who wants to be normal anyway? Come on, look at the world around you. Look at the misery that people are in, the emptiness, the brokenness, huh? Empty pockets, chasing empty desires, things that are fleeting away. There's a sense of hopelessness that's involved. People are stressed out. Anxiety and depression is running rampant amongst them. Divorce, huh? Being afraid, bound. Who, who wants to live like that anyway? God says, be different. Jesus spoke about the Broadway, huh? You know, he speaks about the broad road where it's path and everybody's on it and everybody's moving and, and that's, you know, the lights and Times Square with, with the neon signs and, and, and so broad is the path. That, but where does it lead? To destruction. I often say sin is fun for a little while, Huh? Oh, it's fun for a little while. Let's go out. Let's go partying. Let's go club. 
we could get a little high, we could have a little drink, and we can, we can chill, and everything's good, right? Hey, hey, and then all of a sudden, the next day, you're waking up, and you got a splitting head. Oh, what I do that for? Then the regret, the resentment. Oh, Lord, I'll never do that again. Next thing you know, there's the next party, there's the next thing, and where you at? And then that cycle goes on and on and on, and all of a sudden you find yourself bound and shackled, wanting to get out. I often say that um, the chains of addiction are so soft in the beginning that they can't be felt until they're too strong to be broken. Huh? But he says that there's another road. Narrow is the path. Small is the gate. But those that are on it leads to eternal life. Are we living our lives to be fulfilled here? Are we living our lives to fulfill his kingdom, knowing that we shall be there? Lord, Heavenly Father, I thank you, God, for your word. I thank you for the wisdom that's contained therein. And Lord, with our carnal minds, we, we will never be able to understand it. But if we're spiritual minded, oh God, if you've given us and granted us the, the, the privilege of, of receiving your Holy Spirit that would teach us concerning all things that would make your mysteries and, and reveal them and, and make them plain and clear unto us this morning. I just pray right now, Lord, that as we walk out this place, that we would have the courage, the desire, the want to, Lord, to be different. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Now go ahead and look at your neighbor and tell them you look different. You look different. <laughs> Some of y'all look real different. <laughs> so <I> just, go ahead. <laughs> Let me just tell you right now, if, if you're perfect, if you're perfect, if you've got everything in life and all is, is well, this message isn't for you. I, I, no, no, really, it's not for you. Like, like you could kick back, sit back, relax. If you want to go downstairs and get a cup of coffee, just do it quietly, you know. But uh, if you're perfect, this message is not for you. Um, and so, so if you've got some imperfections, um, I, I'd encourage you to stay and, and hear the rest of this message. Um, how many of y'all know that your pastor is not perfect? <laughs> Eunice, why you got two hands up? Stop. Nah, um... <laughs> <laughs> um several 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 years ago uh when when uh my wife and i uh before we were even married we um i don't know if you've got a picture up there um i i, I brought pictures oscar uh you see that so so i had black hair <laughs> um that that was taken at the cloisters and that was probably what 20 22 years ago, 
22, 23, and, and we got married, and, uh, you know, I was, we were 25 when we got married, and, you know, I thought, I thought I knew things. I thought I had things, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and she and I then, uh, uh, we, had, we had a baby. And uh, like most married couples um, ought to have, they should, they should have a baby, right? And, and so this is the fruit that God gave us. And, and I thought, you know, I was going to be a really good dad. And, and, and so I was, I was involved. I was there in the birthing room and, and, and all of that. But I had no clue of what I was doing. And, and the fact of the matter is, at 20, why is it that guys, like, mature later than, than, than girls? Like, at 25, I was still, like, really? My mindset was still, like, at 16 for whatever reason. Um, but, you know, I was, I was a knucklehead. And, but, you know, I mean, I wanted to. I wanted to. I had a desire. I just didn't know how. And, and part of the thing, right, when you have a baby, you want to protect that child. I, I remember driving from the hospital, and I was driving so gently and so carefully, like at five miles per hour. How, those of you who have driven with me know that that is a miracle in of itself. I mean, uh, and, and so, you know, I'm like, I'm obeying every, the, you know, the speed limit. I mean, if it was 20, I'm doing 10. Uh, avoiding the speed bumps. Like if I had a ticking bomb in the back of my car that was going to blow up, it was so gentle. And, and you want to do everything right. So, you know, I mean, we had, we had the diaper genie and we had all of the, you know, uh, uh, um, and sterilizing the bottles. How many people know, you know, oh, you got to sterilize them, Bob. <laughs> you got them pacifiers. You know, we used to sterilize the pacifiers with the first kid and the second kid we we used to then wash the pacifier by the time the third kid comes around that thing falls on the floor and you're like it's all right it's all right it's all good needs to needs to you know it it helps build up the immune system they need a little germ it's all good it's all good (laughs) can i just keep it real can i like you know this so so, so um, <laughs> there was a night, you know, Eunice, she, she was tired. And, and, and so I was like, oh, go ahead, baby. Go ahead. Take a nap. I got this. I got the watch. I got the watch. Don't worry about it. And, uh, you know, part of the watch, I put the bottles to sterilize. And so I got the bottle sterilizing. So uh, uh, it was with Kristen. Kristen needed a change. And so, you know, got her cleaned up and we're playing games. And then I had to go use the bathroom. And, you know, I spent some time in the bathroom and uh, came back out. I'm watching my TV show and program. And it was a great program. I'm just spending some quality time, you know, daddy and his little girl. You know, we're watching TV together. She's, I don't know, about a year old. <laughs> and, um, and, and I don't know, like I just, I, I stepped into the bathroom. I came out and there was just this God awful smell in the house. What is that? And, uh, and I'm thinking, I mean, it, 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 it got serious. It smelled toxic. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, but what's going on? And I remembered the kitchen. And so I go into the kitchen, and I look, and sure enough, the bottle, all the water was dried out. The bottles were all melted on the bottom of the pan. And I'm thinking, oh, and I just didn't want to, but the word came out. I'm not going to say what the word was, but your pastor cursed. I mean, he. I'm not going to tell you. I know what is it on the lower level of the curses? Is it on the higher? I'm not going to tell you the curse that I said that rhymes with duck. But I just said that. Like, oh my god! And so now I'm trying to turn this thing off, and I don't know what to do. I'm. 
is so hot, I can't even grab it. I'm trying to put water on it. I'm like, oh my God, Eunice is going to wake up. <laughs> Scared. <laughs> shook. <laughs> I was shook. I was trying to be different on the outside. But I wasn't different on the inside. And when the pressures of life comes, when you're in the olive press, all of a sudden you know what you're made of. Why does it even matter? You know, some of y'all be like, yeah, I'll give you a pass on that. I probably would have said the same thing. Listen to what verse 14 says. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written to be holy because I am holy. It doesn't say just as he called you is happy. So be happy in all that you do. So many people wrongly believe that God's highest calling in your life is to be happy. God's highest calling in your life isn't to be happy, it's to be holy. And the theology of happiness empowers personal justification. What do you mean by that, Pastor? Well, since I'm not happy... I'm going to allow myself to do things that I wouldn't otherwise do. I'm not happy in my marriage, and so it's so easy to get divorced, not put in the work, to simply walk away. Man, I want this thing so bad, that new gadget, that new technology, that new clothing line. Do you see them things with shoes with red bottoms? I want that. Can't afford it. So all of a sudden, corruption, deception, overspending on your credit cards come into play. I'm going to get that thing. And you'll do anything in order to acquire it. You're dating, and, and, and in your dating, I mean, you know you should wait inside. You know that the Bible says that, you know, premarital sex and love, but, but we're in love, and, and we're in love in our heart, and, and we care about each other, and, and, and it's fine, and it's all good. God understands. He knows my heart. And so you allow premarital sex to become a part of your lifestyle. But it brings forth hurt. It brings forth repercussions. And all of a sudden you realize that that momentary in time of a, of a pleasure, of a desire, has turned your world upside down. Social media. People are all on social media. They want to get their things up. And, and so you'll, you'll take pictures and you're on the Snapchat and on Instagram. And hey, you know, it's so cute and all stuff. Oh, look how cute, and, and you get in the mirror and look at the little booty sticking out and half, half naked clothes. Come on, everybody else is doing it. 
Come on, you know how many likes I got? Look, I got so many. Oh, look at all them thumbs up. I got like 15 hearts. Did you see Tommy look at it? Come on, he looked at it. He gave me a like. And, and, and you think because you're putting on the snap that, you know, well, snap, you know, you just take the snap and that's that one time and it's not recorded, right? So, so you're okay. You're safe doing it on Snapchat. Except when somebody takes a screenshot. Oh my God, he took a screenshot. He violated. That ain't right. When we believe that God wants us to be happy above all else, we believe that then any discomfort that life would bring, any delay on on our desires, any of the risks that are involved, any of the suffering that we may be enduring, Well, that can't be God's will for me because it hurts. It's hard. It's difficult. I want to tell you that that's a lie from the pit of hell. Anything, anything that's ever going to have any value in our lives is going to cost something. Why is it that people that win the lottery And overnight, instant millionaires, 80% of them are bankrupt within five years. Five years. Go through $8 million? Oh, but it's filling the void. It's filling the void. I got to have that boat. I got to have that house. Oh, but if I got that clothing line, if I got all them shoes, if I've got, I'm going to finally be happy. I'm going to be fulfilled. I'm going to be doing the things that I do. But no thing of this world will ever be able to fill the void that's in your heart. The emptiness of our soul can only be fulfilled by one thing and one thing only. And that's being in communion, having a union that is common with our creator. Hallelujah. And only, only God can give you that. In our pursuit of being happy, we believe that God is there to serve me. But God does not exist to serve us. We exist to serve him and him alone. No longer I who live, but he who lives in me. God, not my will, but your will be done in and through my life. To be holy, hagios, set apart, different. It's not just all that's pure and good, but it's also the absence of all that is dark and evil. Holy. He's a holy God. And we ought to be reflecting that holiness in the way we live, in the way we talk, the things that we do, the things that we care about, the things that we pursue is our life. All the things that we do, all the things that we say, is it holy? Even as parents, how, how, how can we instill these values upon our children? The fact of the matter is that we don't. I know we, Eunice and I, we, we, we don't. What we do is we live out our convictions in front of them. Sometimes, you know, like, 
You got to take those difficult calls. The creditor is calling and, oh man, you know that 800 number and pick up the phone and, uh, you know, uh, I'm not home. Shh. Tell them I'm not here. What? That's so easy, right? Just tell them, I'm not here. Just hang, hang up the phone. What, what example is that giving? Huh? What, what message are we sending to our children? Someone is in need. Huh? And we, we, we're driving, we're walking, we're, we're, we're busy, we're, we're, we're late. And all of a sudden, we see someone that, that can be in need. And, and, and we just, you know, we, we, we know that we, we ought to reach out. We may not have a lot to give, but the little that we have, maybe perhaps we could, some wisdom, a word of encouragement, maybe perhaps of prayer. But the Bible says, Jesus says, whatever you do to the least of these, assuredly, you've done it unto me. How many opportunities do we not pass by? And, and you know, I'm not about, I'm, you, you know this church. We're not, we're not about, you know, just giving people a fish and feeding them for a day. We're about teaching people how to fish so that they could be fed for a lifetime. We're about, you know what, teaching people to live within the blessing and the promises of Almighty God that then they could come out of the miry clay and into His marvelous light so that then you can be the head and not the tail so that you are the lender and not the borrower. We can't allow people to continue to live in the rut of their sin and in the trenches of this world and think that we're doing God's work. It's easy to go into your pocket and throw a $5 bill into the basket. But are you willing to take the time to sit down with an individual? Get to the core issues of why they're broken and what, why are they hurting? And then refer them and, and come alongside of them to help support them and get out of the mindset, the lies and the deceptions that they've believed. So that then God can have his perfect work among them. And that uh, as others turn around and see the transformation in a person's life, that they know that we have a God that is mindful of his people. Can't preach a sermon. We got to live a sermon. And there's a quote that's often attributed to uh, St. Francis of Assisi that, that says, preach the gospel at all times. Use words only when necessary. It actually, he wasn't quoted in saying that. He didn't say that. So, you know, I'm always going to keep it real, right? And uh, so although it was attributed to him, and although I kind of like that saying, it comes from his rule, 1221, chapter 12, of how the Franciscans uh, should practice their preaching. And it states that no brother should preach contrary to the form and regulation of the Holy Church, nor unless has been permitted by his minister. All friars should preach by their deeds. And so, so you know, I mean, if we transliterate it, maybe we could get that out of that, right? Preach the gospel at all times, but use words only when it's necessary. I often say, people don't know how much you know until they know how much you care. Live out your convictions. Be holy and be different in a world that is 
going to hell in a handbasket. People are hurt and people are broken. And they have no hope. And the only hope that they'll ever be able to have is when they can see the light of Christ living in you. Oh my God, that gives me hope. I knew her when. Did you hear that he was? And all of a sudden, by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, we can defeat this adversary. Second Corinthians, Paul put it this way in the third chapter, in the second verse. You yourselves are our letter of recommendation written on our hearts to be known and read by all men. And you show that you are a letter from Christ delivered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God. Not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of the human heart. Follow Jesus and have the courage to be different. So what I prefer to listen to worship music, so what? So what? I like, I prefer to listen to worship music. I listen to worship music that drops some sick beats. Huh? You think Drake, you think Drake got something? Huh? I'll introduce you to Andy Minio, Lecrae, Trip Lee. I, I'll, I'll introduce you to some, some, like, I'm, I'm just talking about some good music. But it'll exalt the name of Jesus. So what? I'd rather be at a church service. I'd rather not go out clubbing so that I can be up and alert and sober-minded in the morning so that I can be functional, vigilant, productive in the sight of God. A vessel in His hand to do His will. Hallelujah. So what? I, I, I choose not to get high with, with all the other knuckleheads. Or so what? I choose to save myself until I fall in love and, and I do it God's way rather than man's way. So what? I carry a Bible in my back pocket and I read it when I'm on the train. So what? I choose to live this way. I mean, who's judging you anyway? Like, what has this world done for you lately? If you're like, Eddie, what have you done for me lately? I'll tell you what Jesus has done. And there's no comparison. From where he saved me out of, the transformation that he's done inside my life, the positions that he's lifted me up to. I don't want to make a theological statement here. But, you know, I mean, yeah, you guys can look back and, 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 and see around harvest time, you know, the, traditionally, this culture that we live in, this Western culture, wants to celebrate Halloween. And I'm not saying, I'm not going to, you know, go in and, and, and fine-tune here, but the fact of the matter is, you do your research, you know that this is a dark holiday. It's got roots in, in evilness and wickedness, and, and everyone else is going out, and, you know, they want to dress up as zombies, and they want to do this, and they want an egg, and they want the candy, and blah, 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 blah. Can't expect to raise children who are different from this world if we're not different. 1 Peter 1.14 So you must live 
as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways. Don't backslide. Be different. Let's teach our children that it's okay to be different. It's okay. Everyone else is doing that. Doesn't mean that we have to do that. Can we identify wickedness and evil for what it is and make a choice not to participate in it? And so, you know, I'm okay. We, 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 we wind up going over to the Harvest Fest over at your town assembly of God. And so there's a safe environment that there's candy and there's no zombies. And so you want to dress up as a little bit of a power ranger. I'm not a big fan. I'm not. But if we can give an alternative, let's not, let's not give in to, to the way this world says that we ought to be living. How many, how many know of that it's so easy to slip into sin? So easy to just fall into temptation. Huh? Because at any given point in time, it says, if you think you're standing, be careful lest you fall. Any one of us, starting with me, can just trip into something. But you never trip into righteousness. You never slip back into, oh my God, oh, I'm holy, how'd that happen? that, That doesn't happen. It's so easy to just fall into stumble. But to be holy and to be righteous, it takes an effort. You must be intentional. And you must be willing to make sacrifices. The adversary is subtle and sneaky. Kids don't turn around and say, you know, oh, I want to intentionally become a Satanist. Go sacrifice chickens in the backyard. Like, you know, but how is it that then so many people fall into that level of sin. Your enemy is deceptive. Remember what he asked Eve? Did God really say that you can't eat? Just plant a seed of doubt. Did God really say you can't watch that mature audience movie on Netflix? Did God really say that you shouldn't listen to that music with bad language? Did God really say you can't cheat on your taxes? Gossip. Did God really say you shouldn't talk about people? Oh, but I'm not talking about them. I have a prayer request because did you know that she went out and You got more gossip going around on church prayer line chains than the world does on Facebook. Yeah, but pastor, you know, I'm not that bad. (laughs) I'm a lot better than a lot of other people. But a lot of other people is not the standard. And you don't have to answer these questions, but I certainly want you to ask yourself these questions as we leave here this morning. What is the three areas I struggle most in trying to fit in? What are the three areas you struggle most in trying to fit in? When was a time I put happiness 
above God's call for holiness. When's the last time? What are the biggest ways that I'm different than the rest of the world? Ask yourself that. Introspection. As, as, as we confront ourselves in light of God's word, brings forth a transformation from the inside out. What are the areas that God wants you to be different in? Why holy? Why does it even matter so much? Verse 18, for you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life, handed down to you from your ancestors. Oftentimes, the, 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 the choices that you make is because it's what's been planted inside of you. And so it wasn't with silver and gold that you were redeemed out of that empty, fruitless lifestyle. But with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect, the innocent died to take place of the guilty. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. And it is through him you believe in God who raised him from the dead and glorified him. So your faith and hope are in God. God says, be holy because I am holy. And if you're redeemed by adoption into the family of God, you ought to be reflecting the virtues and the characteristics and the DNA of a holy God. It's because of who Christ is and because of what he's done and because of what has been given. You know you don't deserve it, but he gave it to you anyway. The Bible says, yet while I was still in my sin, he chose to die for me. Knowing the price and knowing the sacrifice, knowing the value of what's offered to us. It's not that, it's not that, it's, it's, it's the fact that I want to be holy. I want to be holy. It's not that I have to. It's that I want to. Family, I'm not talking about behavior modification. I'm not talking about, you know, the willful desire of doing the, you know, the, the outward expression. But as minute, the, the moment that those baby bottles, you know, sterilize and, and melt down and you release those toxins in the air and your wife is coming at you. <laughs> I'm talking about spiritual transformation. From the inside out. Living holy isn't the path to knowing Christ. Knowing Christ is the path to living holy. You can't do it on your own. You have to make a choice to accept the free gift that's been given to you. To receive that. And when you receive it and know it. 
There's a transformation that happens inside of you that all of a sudden creates the desire and the will to want to. Hallelujah. It's in receiving the Holy Spirit that all of a sudden we have an empowerment to be holy. So I have a question for you, church. Do you know him? Have you received him? Have you received, have you asked for the Holy Spirit to empower you to live a life that is holy and acceptable unto God? Would you stand with me this morning, church? I'm going to ask the worship team uh, 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 if we could could just uh, play a little music.